Jesus' ongoing presence with the disciples will be made known through the coming Spirit who will guide them and communicate to them Jesus' will and glory. The Holy Gospel according to John, the 16th chapter. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, she will guide you into all the truth, for she will not speak on her own, but will speak whatever she hears and she will declare to you the things that are to come. She will glorify me, because she will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that she will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of our Lord. You may have noticed that at the bottom of your bulletin, there's a little paragraph about a couple of series we'll be doing this summer. The first session of the first series being today. So a little more clarification on all of that. We will have two different series running at the same time this summer. The second and fourth Sundays of the month is when we will, we will have those. And the first series focus us, focuses us in on discernment and mission how God is calling us as a congregation to be church in and for the world today. On the second Sunday of the month, now through September, our worship will include singing, Listen, God is Calling, in place of a traditional Kyrie and hymn of praise. We will also add a petition to our intercessory prayers, which we will pray each week until the next second Sunday, when it will be replaced by a different petition following that theme. And of course, the sermon will be focused in some way on discernment and mission. While not true today, future sessions will replace the assigned gospel reading with another to fit the focus of the day, and the hymn of the day, the hymn following the sermon, will also complement all of that. So please note that while this series is about discernment and mission, and we will talk about things like giftedness and church history, we are not going to finish this series with a new mission statement or some other product. We may use the conversations and dialogues of these next few months to help us in more, in more intentional work to co work come fall or winter, but again, not the purpose here. This is just broad strokes, laying a foundation, whatever metaphor works for you here. Now, as I said a moment ago, this week's gospel lesson that I read is the assigned reading for today for Trinity Sunday, and our hymn of the day follows. I'm also using Trinity Sunday and this hymn of the day to help us focus our mission and discernment first Sunday. So last week was Pentecost Sunday, the feast day dedicated to the Holy Spirit who comes to us in baptism and sends us out into the world to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. As holy chaos, she calms troubled waters and troubles calm waters. Now today is Trinity Sunday, our feast day dedicated to the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. We're not gonna get into the doctrinal stuff. But when we talk about the Holy Trinity, we are talking about how our God is three in one and one in three. We talk about 
the three persons as co-equal. Kind of imagine an equilateral triangle. All the legs are the same length, all the angles are 60 degrees. But as I pointed out last week, we often kind of ignore or otherwise overlook the Holy Spirit with our Christian focus on the second and first persons of the Trinity. So then our triangle kind of takes on some different dimensions where the angles that are representative of the Godhead and Jesus are, are wider, they're more open, and their legs on the triangle are longer. And this makes the Holy Spirit's angle a little bit narrower, and her leg is short. When we talk about the Trinity, we describe the persons in a triad, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Mother, Brother, Counselor, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, Lover, Beloved, Love Itself, the Author of Life, the Living Cornerstone, the Life-Giving Spirit of Adoption, etc., 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 and sometimes it is easier to name or describe one person of the Trinity than another. And that's okay. Because while they are co-equal in being, they are not necessarily co-equally known or experienced. Some days, I think most days even, it is far easier for us to point to the work or expression of one of the three than it is to point equally to all three. Some days the creative work of the Godhead is overwhelmingly felt, known in our cores as we experience nature or the love of a pet. Some days it is the words of Jesus beckoning us to come and see, to do for the least among us as we would do for him. And some days it is the spirit's storm or her stillness that is within us, moving us through the world to provide care, to confront just injustice, and to be merciful and just. Now some of us like structure, or we maybe kind of live in our heads. We like concrete ideas, we like stability, and thinking of the Trinity as a triangle, that is stable. Engineers, am I right? The triangle is strong and supportive as a shape. Here we go. But the Trinity is not a feat of structural engineering. Yes, they are strong and supportive. They are also social, communal, and they do the engineering rather than being engineered. The Trinity might be imagined and talked about as a shape, as that triangle, but really they are more amorphous and constantly moving, like a dance. Sometimes their arms are intertwined, dancing in a circle. Sometimes it's maybe more of a line dance. Maybe sometimes each of them appears to be off dancing on their own, or maybe two kind of move together, and the third one is doing their own thing. But also, not really. 
their movements are not divergent, even if not quite complementary. Like different choreographers writing the dance to a single piece of music, or one choreographer writing the parts for different dancers to one piece. Richard Rohr is a Franciscan friar and ecumenical teacher. In his 2016 book, The Divine Dance, The Trinity and Your Transformation, and then also some corresponding videos you can look up on YouTube, Rohr talks about this 15th century icon of the Trinity written by Andrei Rublev. The persons of the Trinity are all present in human form seated around a table. They're not equally distanced around this table. Instead of being seated at thirds, they are seated at quarters. And in the fourth quarter, right in the front, there's a piece of something to which the spirit is gesturing. And that something to which she is gesturing is believed to be some remnants of glue. Rohr tells us that art historians believe there used to be a mirror in this fourth place to which the spirit is gesturing. Like we are being invited into this divine meal around which they are seated. Like we can see our image reflected in and with the divine image. Or as Roar posits, when we see ourselves reflected in this mirror, we are like the second coming of Christ bearing his image into the world. We are invited into the divine meal, into the divine dance. Now our bulletin gives us some questions written out for us to be considering. How do the persons of the triune God call each of us into their dance? How do we dance with the Trinity as individuals? How do we dance with the Trinity as the congregation of faith? As the congregations of faith and post and kill together? How do we dance with the Trinity as members of the church universal? As we begin our move into the summer on this Trinity Sunday, I invite you to imagine the triune God in and as community. What does each person look like? Changing and constant. How do they invite and include you into their holy community? The meal, the dance, whatever. How are we members of faithful communities and faithful bodies? Do our communities, do our bodies dance? Do they sing in harmony? Before discernment and mission, we have to see, feel, know ourselves to be part of the divine dance of life, of ongoing creation, of everything. Come, join the dance, the community of the Holy One and Three, Three in One. Amen.